This place has known magic. Very dark. Very powerful. This time, I cannot hope to destroy it alone. Times like these, dark times, it can bring people together. Take my hand. They can tear them apart. These girls, they're gonna kill me, Harry. This year, Voldemort has chosen Draco Malfoy for a mission. Evil will pass through from their world into our own. These are mad times we live in, mad! Darkest hour this is beyond anything I imagined. Is upon us all. In my life, I've seen things that are truly horrific. Now I know you will see worse. You're the chosen one, Harry. You have to realize who you are. Without you, we leave the fate of our world to chance. You have no choice. You must not fail. It's over. From Warner Brothers Pictures. I have to do this. Fight back! Fight back! This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to another rousing edition of the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we are broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com, and also coming to you through the power of iTunes and Google Play and however you listen to it. And if you guys want us to be somewhere else, by all means, tell us. I actually need to get the show out on more platforms and make it easier for you guys to uh, to listen in. So uh, please send us suggestions. At IPC Podcast on Twitter is always a good way to get in hold of us. Um, and we've got more Harry Potter talk. If you haven't already guessed, we're continuing our hour. Just one more episode. We've got... Three movies left. We're going to be just discussing one tonight, and then in the near future, we're going to tackle the last two. But for tonight, we're going to be talking about the Half-Blood Prince. It's going to be a lot of fun, and unfortunately, Zach Arnold, who 
most of the time, you know, does this thing with me. Um, he could not make it this evening. Well, not yet anyway. Uh, hopefully he'll join us later in the program to give his thoughts on the film. But as always, when we talk about Harry Potter, we have our esteemed co-pilot, our fellow wizard from whatever – I don't know where I'm going with this. It's Dominic <laughs> Jones. How you going, man? Hey, Ben. Hey, everybody. It's great to be back to talk more Harry Potter this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, this is a pretty good one. It's a pretty yeah. good one. And I'm looking forward to breaking it all down with you because I think uh, I think it's safe to say mm. you add a ton to this conversation <laughs> and because we don't know what the hell we're doing sometimes um just it just helps to have someone like you kind of guiding us and kind of holding our hands through this because you know we're newbies we're we're totally new to this Harry Potter thing but it's uh it's been a lot of fun and uh, exploring the wizarding world has been a ton a oh, ton yeah. of fun it, it's been a, it's been a pleasure to be on this journey with you guys and you know it's not over yet we've still got nope. at least uh, three more movies to discuss counting tonight and uh, tonight we get to discuss one of the uh defining uh literary twists of a generation at the oh end yeah of half-blood prince and uh, it's kind of it's become it's i'd say it's the closest uh we've gotten to know I am your father in about, well, it's about 30 years. That's the closest thing. Uh, there's been some other great twists, don't get me wrong, in film and, 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 uh, and uh, books and stuff, but this is the one. This is the one that really, I think, became part of the cultural, uh, the cultural consciousness. I don't know if that's the right term. Uh, more so than anything since, well, Vader made that shocking reveal back in 1980. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and I will say, if you do not already know the big reveal, uh, save this podcast for later and watch Half-Blood Prince yeah. before you do that. Because I did know. Yeah. Because I was spoiled. Because <laughs> I've been on the internet for a few years, and people are jerks. Right. And, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say what it is. We're not going to spoil it just yet. You can listen, listen a little bit further, but uh, please – don't don't spoil yourself if you haven't already. You know yeah. you, we already if spoiled you've, if you've, Empire Strikes Back. So <laughs> yeah, if you've somehow managed to avoid it since you know 2005 2006 when this book came out, uh, credit to you. Well done. Uh, don't yeah, let seriously. us ruin it now. But yeah, it was a it was a it was a real shocker when I remember reading it back in that back that back in that summer and sort of going, wow, that's uh, that's not how I was expecting this book to end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, there is hints at it, but it does kind of come out of nowhere. And it's a really great twist. It's really, and I, I really enjoyed the movie. And I'm looking forward to talking about it a little bit later. But before we jump into that, let, let's talk about a little bit of news, shall we? Some stuff that maybe is not related to Harry Potter. Actually, none of it is related to Harry <laughs> Potter, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, first up is a little bit of Marvel news, a little bit of MCU goodies. We got some interesting and really, really exciting photos from Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. The first bit of news we've gotten from this movie, really, other than um, just the announcement, basically, and the casting announcements. But, you know, we got some really good photos from Entertainment Weekly. Um, we got looks at, of course, Carol Denvers' as Captain Marvel. We got looks at the scrolls, which is pretty cool. Um, ben Mendelsohn is one of the scrolls. That's pretty cool. <laughs> 
Uh, we got, let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. We've got uh, Korath and Ronan the Accuser. Apparently, Korath was was uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy, was uh, was riding with, with Captain Marvel for a while mm-hmm. before he joined up with Ronan the Accuser. So, um, Dominic, did you get a chance to see in these photos? What do you think? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I looked uh, looked over all of them. It kind of looks, um, and, and I mean this in the best possible way, like a sort of a greatest hits of all the Marvel origin stories. You've got the sort of space side of things that you get from Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got sort of that military undercover side that you get from Captain America. And then that sort of cool fighter pilot side of things that you get from Tony Stark. It, it really feels yeah. like in a lot of ways... This is, you know, they, they've looked back at what they've done and they've said, what if we just took all of it and di- put it all in one movie and made it even cooler? And uh, it looks it looks great. I, I, you know, I don't know anything about uh, Captain Marvel. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm not really f- familiar with the character, but knowing uh, Marvel's track record, especially with the uh, origin story movies, with the possible exception of Doctor Strange, uh, I think this is uh, this is shaping up to be a pretty solid movie. Of course, Brie Larson, huge fan of her, cannot wait to start see her mm-hmm, take on mm-hmm. the uh, the superhero genre. And there's tons of cool little callbacks to the old. Uh, to the classic, uh, the classic MCU of of Phase One with guys like uh, Nick Fury and Agent Coulson, and then little yeah, fun stuff yeah. from Phase Two with the all the tie-ins with Guardians. I think it, this could be a really sort of nice. Uh, you know, we had we had a Avengers four, we had Infinity War, which was the, or I guess that would be Avengers three. Um, we had Infinity War that was sort of like bringing it all together, and now that it's all sort of come together, this is almost like. I don't know. I'm trying to think of what the right metaphor is, but this is sort of like the uh, the icing, the dessert. It's sort of, you know, we just had this big, huge meal of everything that we just loved from from Marvel from 2008 to 2018. And now this one is kind of coming in here to take that and, and just make it all that much better as it leads us into Avengers 4 whenever that comes out. When does that come out? Next May? Uh yes, this comes out in March, and then Avengers Four comes out in May, I believe. Right, that's gonna be a crazy, uh, <laughs> crazy. Two Seriously, months. like they're giving us this huge gap, and then boom, boom, they hit us over the head with Captain Marvel Avengers Four right off the bat, and you know we all can kind of assume now that Captain Marvel is gonna play a huge role in that movie. Oh, certainly. I mean, I mean, if you, if just from that end credits uh, scene in in. Infinity War, it kind of, it really sort of lets you know this is going to be a key movie going forward. Oh yeah, totally. And it, it's it does. I agree with you that it does. It feels very familiar. It feels like an MCU movie in the sense that it does have that kind of those vibes of, you know, like you see the one photo of uh, Carol Denver's Brie Larson in in a in a, in a jacket and she's got a shield cap. She's kind of got the the uh, the the classic MCU undercover thing yeah. going on, she, you she, know, she's she, just missing the sunglasses. She really does look, uh, you know, like you know, she looks like she's just walked off the set of Winter Soldier in some ways. <laughs> like she was just hanging out with uh, Steve and Natasha, just sort of going on that little mission. Uh, but yeah, yeah, she really looks like she's right out of Winter Soldier. And that the Nick Fury stuff looks uh, looks uh, looks fantastic. The one where she's in the fighter pilot. Uh, in or in the fighter jet kind of feels like it's got a bit of that early Iron Man vibe, you know, especially with the roadie stuff. Uh, and then of course there's all the shots with Ronan and the the scrolls and and all that fun stuff. And that I mean that looks like Guardians of the Galaxy or or at least Thor Ragnarok. So it, it looks like it's going yeah. to be uh, be 
be pretty cool. It's going to take all those things you love about all those other movies and bring them all together in one. Yeah, I, I really love that they're including Ronan and Korath. Like, that's really cool. And giving us kind of like, you know, kind of the origin story of Korath, apparently, because, you know, he's he's with her with this Star Force or whatever it's called that Captain Marvel works for. Mm-hmm. And apparently during this movie, it starts with her already having her powers. It's not going to be the general. She's a normal person and then goes <laughs> into the thing, which we've seen a thousand times before. I'm glad that they're. Not only giving us a new character, the movie, the and movie someone... doesn't start with her being bitten by a radioactive spider. I'm out. That's that's how all <laughs> superhero movies start in my book. No. Exactly, exactly. Like you know, that's what like I feel like some of the weaker ones, even though I enjoyed them, have been like Ant Man and Doctor Strange and those type of movies. And again, they started with kind of your basic, average, you know, superhero origin of normal dude becomes gets involved in something and becomes superhero. Like right. we've yeah. seen that like so many times and it's great that they're trying to, I'm sure we'll get backstory. I'm sure being that Captain Marvel isn't a normal person. She's very much like, I mean, Kevin Feige just confirmed, I think it's just a couple days ago that she is the most powerful character in this universe. That's saying something. If you watched infinity war and saw what Thor did, like yeah. if she can top that, that's pretty impressive. But can she um, lift Mjolnir? That's the question, because I mean, I mean, cast can't. He, he he couldn't he couldn't lift it. No, I hear I I have to say just about the casting of the movie. I think it's a really bold choice to cast Ben Mendelsohn as a villain. I think that's never been done before, and it's really sort of going out on a limb and trying something that could, <laughs> that could work. Um, poor guy, yeah. poor guy. Mendo's just, just he, he he doesn't he never gets typecast. He's got so many different <laughs> first roles. Yeah, Mendo's like, oh, you need a villain? I'll be right over. I'm. <laughs> No, it's it's cool, and and I also I, I would say I, I'm really excited to see Clark Gregg back because he was so much fun in that first phase oh, of of, uh, of Avengers films, and and you know this sort of being one of the I, I don't know if it's, it's it's not necessarily it's not one of the last Avengers movies, but it's sort of one of the last movies in this original phase, this sort of Iron Man to Avengers four conglomerate and it's kind of in a way it's maybe a bit of a transitional movie like this is the one of the characters who's going to to take the baton from steve and tony and uh and thor and and, and hulk and those guys and, and run with it for whatever phase four being you know her and black panther and spidey like those those guys seem to be the the future of the mcu yeah i mean she's definitely her and dr strange and all mm-hmm. these guys black panther like they're the future. They're the yeah. ones that and, are going and, to be bleeding this. Yeah, and just the the point about Clark Gregg is just sort of like you know having having had him be such a big part of starting the original Marvel movies or being maybe not a big part but being such an integral part. You know, it's kind of nice to have him there at least one last time to help with the transition just a little bit. Yeah, that is great, and and it comes like right after. I don't know how many of you guys or you, Dominic, have actually seen Agents of Shield recently, mm. but. That show apparently, apparently he's, I think he's dead finally. Um, so he coming died. back, he, af- he what? died in 2012. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> I watched the first couple, first two and a half seasons of Agents of Shield, and I, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I always felt that that was sort of a separate universe. That it was kind of its own thing. It, it had a little. You I know, mean, I fun. mean, Agents of Shield, the last season, the second to the last season, the most recent season did not even address infinity war 
Like wow. they're so far away from they're just like we're not even trying anymore. Like we're just telling your own story. <laughs> and like they had their own world ending event that just so happened to be happening at the same time. Like naturally, naturally. You know, all world ending events happen at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, of course. But yeah, having Clark Gregg back, having having Samuel Jackson, he looks great. Yeah, I don't know like the picture that they show, I don't know if that's digitally de-aged or not, but like he looks amazing. Yeah, well, I, I look. I'm looking at the the Wikipedia for this page. It looks like Sam Jackson and Clark Gregg have both been de-aged 25 years digitally, uh, wow. and that this, according to Wikipedia, is the first time Marvel has done this for an entire film. So that should yeah, be, that is should be pretty cool. I mean, we've seen it in Star Wars, we've seen it in Marvel, but committing to it for the entirety of a movie, even though they're not going to be main characters. Like we assume they're gonna have pretty big roles. Yeah, um, and, and typically you only see this sort of technology used for one or two scenes, like uh, uh, you know Michael Douglas and Ant Man, or um, you know people like that uh, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm, in the yeah. films. So yeah, yeah, and apparently, apparently Nick Fury is just gonna be like apparently there he's called a disc, desk jockey. <laughs> He's not going to be director of Shield, right. so like, what's going to be going on there? Is he going to be like a peer to Coulson, or is Coulson just going to be like, you know, just a dude he picks up on the way? Like, I don't know. Like, you know, how's that? Uh, how's that going to work out? But uh, yeah, uh, all this looks very exciting. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's going to be a fun movie. I can't wait to see it next year. Yeah, yeah, it's like, dang, it's. I think I heard they're going to maybe release the trailer at the end of the month, maybe. All right. Maybe a couple weeks. I heard somebody speculating on Twitter that they usually drop the EW photos like a couple weeks before the trailer. So we'll see about that. Which is sort of the opposite of what they do with Star Wars, where they drop the EW pictures a couple weeks after the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm still I'm I'm very excited about, you know, it's kind of they're kind of doing the same thing with Captain Marvel. They did with Black Panther Mm. introduced him and then straight into the next Avengers movie. So. You know, the connectivity is going to be great. Absolutely. Okay. Um, moving on to something completely different again, mm. because that's what we do here. Um, Star Trek. I, I, I don't know how big of a Trekkie you are, Dominic, if at all. I, I've but... watched I watched the, the three Abrams movies or the two Abrams movies and the Justin Lin movie. And then I watched the first season of Discovery. But that is where my Trek knowledge begins and ends is with those. That's that's fine. Post, that's perfectly uh, fine. Post no judgment here. This is the IPC. It's 2009 on. I'm strictly a, a new Trek fan. <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm not. I'm not too. I'm not too far ahead of you. In fact, I. I'm not sure I am much farther ahead of you. I don't think I've seen. I've seen a few episodes of the original series, but I, yeah, I'm yeah, that's shamefully right. behind. I, I have seen a couple of episodes. I've seen one episode of the original series. I've seen two episodes of Next Generation, and one episode of uh, Deep Space Nine. I think, or no, Voyager. Yeah, yeah. One episode of Voyager. So I uh, yeah, well, very limited Trek Trek knowledge. Well, the reason I bring Star Trek up is the fact that um, there's been a lot of talk about Star Trek four or maybe even five. I don't I don't exactly know what's going on. I know there's a the original Star Trek four is apparently happening, and then um, Tarantino has been brought on to make his own Star Trek movie, which is apparently going to be rated R. I don't know what's going on with that, but I'm assuming 
this is not going to be the Tarantino one. This is going to be the original Star Trek IV that was going to be um, including uh, Chris Hemsworth back as George Kirk. Uh And they were apparently in negotiations, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth, both the Chris's, two of the the five Chris's that we have. And uh, they were in negotiation, and uh, the negotiations fell apart, and apparently both actors walked away. Yeah. So, and this has left people like, oh, they, can they do this? What well, can they do? And everyone's like, uh, without James T. Kirk, Star Trek, without St. James T. Kirk, like it's worked in other series, but you're talking about continuing an already established series like that. Like you could do it without Hemsworth. You could write George Kirk out. I don't even know how they're going to bring him back in the first place. Like yeah. he got killed in the first one. So like, well, I mean, if they, can, if they can bring Leonard Nimoy back, they can bring certainly bring back uh, George Kirk. They can find a way around it. Very important question, though, Ben, for you. So Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Chris um, Guardians of the Pratt. Gal- Pratt. Who's the fifth? I, who am I missing? Because you said there are five I, Chris's. There's got to be a fifth Chris. Seagull. <laughs> Seagull. <Sequel. Yeah. Sequel. laughs> there you go. There you go, Chris. You're in the you're in the league of Chris's now. <laughs> but um, so so the producer of this, yeah. Adi Shankar. I, I'm sure I'm butchering butchering that name. But this person, I don't know how they are connected to Star Trek. They're a producer. I don't know what exactly their role is besides being a producer. But he's saying that, uh, quote, losing Pine and Kirk is not a big a deal or and kind of cool. Actors don't matter. Stories do. This is the universe presenting an opportunity to do something different and boldly go where there's no no suits have gone before. Um, and quote, that's a, I mean, that's a, yeah, I can I can understand. Wow. Like, what, yeah. what was the context in which he said that? Like. Was that, I is don't this, know. Is this like I, a I, leaked I, conversation that he had with somebody at a bar? Or did he say this to a journalist? Like, losing, oh yeah, we're losing our stars. That doesn't matter. That, like, in a sense, I almost respect his sort of like bold, <laughs> bald facedness about it. It was like, I don't care. Screw screw them. Screw Chris Pine. Um, like, I, I, I sort of admire that, but it's like, who the. You, I've never heard a statement like that. Usually it's like, oh, it's we're sorry to see them go, but we're uh, you know, we have we're really confident in our script, you know, blah blah blah. To say it's not a big deal. Like first off, buddy. Sorry, Ben. Sit the fuck down. You're you're saying what you're going to do losing Captain Kirk is not a big deal. I I I'm sorry. Like in a sense like his his sec the second part of his statement. Actors don't matter, stories do. Uh in, in sort of, in, I agree with him in spirit, but I, I think you know it's it's kind of glib, and I wonder if this is sort of a, a response to those negotiations being as tough as they were. That mm-hmm. they're kind of there is a little bit of a "well, screw you" kind of feeling uh, about it right now, and that's why you're getting a statement like this. Um, in terms of losing these guys and losing these characters for this movie, I'm kind of of two minds. Like in the on the one hand. I you know I think Star Trek is at its best and and I think this is the the general sense I get is when it's an ensemble film it's not about one character it's about the crew and the crew right. coming together right. and so in that sense sure you don't you can certainly swap out Kirk or even do a story that's about 
I mean, we've seen other crews. We've seen the next generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Discovery, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's certainly possible to do Star Trek without Captain James T. Kirk. That's certainly possible. But what will be interesting is how they is if they're able to pull this off. Like, is are they how are they going to acknowledge it? How are they going to handle it, if at all? And I think. You know, as much people like Spock and and Uhura and and, and everybody, I think Bones and 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 Scotty and everybody in in the sort of crew, as much as they like them as individuals, they like them all together best. And losing any of them would be tough, but losing who is essentially the main character is is extra tough. So I don't know. I almost think you know, maybe it's time to reboot the next generation. Well, I guess they are doing that on TV, but maybe it's time for a next next generation. Like, like, okay, we had three solid Trek movies with, with the, the pine Quinto, um, Saldana trio. And now it's time to, to move on to something else. Uh, and, and let's try doing some other Star Trek stories on the big screen. Uh, but I, I I don't know like I I it feels it, it feels wrong to do it without the captain um, regardless <laughs> of what crew you're you're working with so I I I I'm curious about what they're trying to do but I have to think that eventually they're going to go back to at least Pine like if you know Hemsworth fine just don't do that story but I think at the end of the day. They're they're going to go back to Pine with their hands with their hat in their hands and they're going to back up the Brinks truck to his house and this is just a, a, a bizarre <laughs> negotiating tactic that I think is kind of backfired in their face so we'll we'll see yeah I I I agree that it sounds really just like a BS like negotiating tactic like yeah right we need you like we can just we'll make our own star trek movie without you we don't you know we don't need the star of the movie like that's not gonna make yeah. any sense it's, it's like, like it just you know it's sort of you, know, you compare it to we compare it to star wars because we always have to compare it to star wars right of course like it would be like if after empire strikes back mark hamill said he didn't want to do anymore and it's not it's not a perfect uh comparison uh but it does kind of have that same vibe to it. You're losing your main character. You're losing, you know, for the last three movies have really been Kirk stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. They've been Kirk and Spock stories, at least the first two, especially. Um, and and so you are le- losing that sort of leading character. Whereas I think even if you had lost Spock, even if Quinto had said he would, he didn't want to do anymore. It'd be like losing Harrison Ford after Empire Strikes Back. It'd be like, okay, this really mm-hmm. sucks, and we'd much rather have them, but it's it's manageable. I I don't know unless you want to do like a Spock standalone film, like it it almost has to feel like you have to basically throw out all the things that 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 we come to expect from Star Trek. Like it can't be the Enterprise, it can't be the crew. It has to be like a smaller a much smaller cast and maybe has to be just spock and uhura off on their own doing something but. yeah it's it's because like even because we i mean we we forget I, at least i forgot like we lost anton yelchin like you, you've got to deal with like Chekhov being gone and i feel like that's a big enough loss in and of itself because as you said this is an ensemble cast it's been this kind of this crew this people you've but, but of course, the, the the difference there is that Anton died very quite tragically, 
Um, Whereas Chris Pine is very much still with us. Um, The only thing that's getting in the way of of Mr. Pine being in this movie is they can't agree on how much money he's worth to them. And and that's sort of the issue here. It it would be a a different... Like, I don't want... Heaven forbid anything happened to Chris Pine. (laughs) But... If if he had died, it would be a different situation. Like, you know, sort of saying, mm-hmm. all right, we're going to go mm-hmm. on without the captain in spite of it. it that's almost a very Star Trekian sentiment. Um, whereas this is sort of the opposite. This is sort of like, oh, you don't want to you don't want to play ball with us. Well, screw you. We're going off on our own. So it, it it's such a bizarre situation. I kind of can't believe we're in this situation. I really do think at the end of the day, the day Paramount's going to, like I said, back up the Brinks truck to, to Chris's house and drop off those extra couple millions. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I, and I would, I would assume the same for Chris Hemsworth too, because well, I think, and, and the statement again, this just goes back to the statement from Addie Shanker is like, you know, say, saying saying stuff like this in public is not apt to to put you in a better negotiating position. Like, I don't know. I, I'd be curious curious to see what the 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 Trekkies how they feel about this. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, are they interested in seeing a, a essentially an original cast like the original uh, characters sans Kirk? I I don't know, and it's not. You know, it's not a one-off. Like I said, it's not a Spock standalone or something like that. It it would be a Star Trek movie just without the captain. It would be weird. Yeah, yeah. It, it's going to be like I'm sure. Like, there's no. I mean, I mean, there's even no guarantee that it's going to happen because we've had. I keep. I, I follow uh, trekmovie.com, and I think that's what the name of it is. And you know, they do a lot of coverage, and I've seen like over and over again. Carl Urban says maybe it's not going to happen. Uh, Zachary Quinto says maybe it's going to happen. Like you've had all these things. Like there's no guarantee this might happen anyway, but I think it will eventually. And you know, I don't know. I think you've you've got to have Chris Pine. You've got to get at least all those guys. It's just it's just I think it's just maybe some dirty negotiating tactics going on to get these guys on there because um, naturally Chris Pine is pretty hot stuff now. He's going to be, he was big in Wonder Woman. He's coming back for Wonder Woman uh, 1984. Um, He's got a new series coming out pretty soon, some kind of Viking thing or whatever, or Irish thing. Um, So, you know, it's, you know, you you can't, you can't blame him for for trying to get a little bit more money because he's Chris Pine. He's one of the Chris's. Come on now. Captain Kirk. I mean, he is, he is Kirk these days. So, Man, Boom. man, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It'd be exciting nonetheless. I'd, I'd, I'd almost be more interested to see them go. Yeah, screw you, Chris. We're gonna do the next Star Trek. Like, okay, how are they gonna do this exactly? Um, <laughs> oh, Spock's the captain now. Okay, we've seen that before. But whatever. Um, but okay. So next up, we got a bit of sad news. This happened over. We won't dwell on this too much because because we do have some things to get to later in the show. But uh, I do want to recognize. The unfortunate passing of the legendary Burt Reynolds, who passed away from a heart attack just a couple days ago as of recording this. Um, and very, very sad to see him go. He just yeah. – screen legend. I mean he's been around for forever. Like and been in so many different things, you know. I, I'm, you know, I think everyone knows him from Spokey and the Bandit. I grew up with that movie, <laughs> um, but so many other things too. Um, he's just been around it, and it's it's crazy. Like the amount of things that he himself 
turned down the roles that he himself turned down because he just wasn't feeling it. Like everything from I think he was I think he was on for Han Solo in Star Wars, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um he was up for James Bond, he was up for um Jack Nicholson's role in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, like just everything you could possibly think of like you can imagine the career that he had and then the career he could have had when he accepted these roles yeah it's it's uh, it's wild i mean you all you have to do is look at as imdb and it's it's a very uh, it's an incredibly uh, impressive career but man just sort of you know you bring it you mentioned bond the idea of you know him as as james bond would have been doing a, a british accent i don't know but it's it's uh, it's not the worst idea ever. It, it, it you know, it, it, it will always wonder. But yeah, certainly a, a supreme talent that we are are sorry to uh, to see go. Oh yeah, totally, totally. And he, yeah, just you know, he was working like up until he passed away. Like on his IMDb, there's you know, it's 2018, 2018. Like there's stuff he was actively working on. So you know, he he never really stopped working, which is it's always great to see. Yeah, so, absolutely. So, best wishes to all of his family and friends and all that stuff. Um, and real quick, before we jump into Harry Potter, do want to throw um, a little bit of a little bit of light on Doctor Who. Yeah, don't actually talk about enough Doctor Who on this show. Well, I personally am not. I'm way far far behind on the show, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But there um, also there also hasn't been an episode in about. Uh, <laughs> In eight or nine months, you know, and we haven't talked much about Doctor Who lately. Yeah, because there hasn't been a ton to talk about. There's like a trailer and and um, and and not much more. Um, but I I I asked if we could talk about this. Uh, and, totally. And, and you and Zach were kind enough to to allow me this this moment. Um, but they they announced this week the premiere date for the the new episode. It will or the first episode of of the new season. It will air on Sunday, September seventh. Uh on uh, BBC One and BBC America. The episode is called The Woman Who Fell to Earth, and it is the debut episode of Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor. Uh, one of the things that was really cool that they did was they dropped this uh, this new little teaser video. It's not a proper trailer, but they dropped a little teaser video. And uh, if you haven't seen it, here's the audio, but you really have to see it. You know I'm back like I never left. Oops. I feel glorious, glorious, got a chance to start again. Uh, so basically what happens is you see the doctor standing in this big room, the new doctor, Jodie Whittaker, and the camera kind of pans up to the ceiling and you see it's a giant glass ceiling and it shatters and the camera kind of swoops back down to the doctor and she just, you hear her say, whoops. And it's got that, <laughs> yeah, it's got that very good sort of pop music soundtrack, which, is, you know, I've seen some, some, especially sort of classic uh, Doctor Who fans are going like, ah, oh, man, what's with the weird un-Doctor Who soundtrack? But, man, it fits this trailer. And I, I saw this today, and if I hadn't been at work when I saw it, I probably would have gotten up and ran around the room because it, it was it's like more than just about anything else that they've dropped for uh, promoting this season has got me uh, super hyped. And I don't know what it is. It's just sort of, I don't know if it's just sort of it's the... If, if it's just that little bit of, of Jodie Whittaker as the doctor, that's kind of like, 
you know, we're seeing a little bit of her character here, but or if it, it maybe it is that pop music soundtrack, but it it has got me hyped for this season. The the trailer looks good. Uh, all the stuff that they've they've showed at Comic Con looks good, and uh, I'm I'm so ready. It's 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 literally a month away as we're recording this, and I cannot wait. Uh, the only thing I'm I'm kind of disappointed in is it's dropping. On the, the the new episode is airing on the Sunday of New York Comic Con, and there doesn't seem to be anything at New York Comic Con about it, which I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed. And and here's the other thing that occurred to me like an hour after I saw the tra- trailer is October seventh. Not only are we getting new Doctor Who on that day, we're getting the series premiere of Star Wars uh, Resistance on that day. Wow. So Sundays are going to be awesome <laughs> this fall. I cannot yeah. I, I cannot wait. And uh yeah, this season, you know, it, it's um it's been a while since we've had a new Doctor Who episode. Uh Peter Capaldi's send off was fantastic. Um I thought he had probably the best regeneration scene of any of them. And uh and then what the little we got of of Jody as Doctor Thirteen and uh and then what we've seen in the trailer and then this this little epic little 15 second video uh has just i'm i'm so ready for new doctor who i cannot i cannot wait and and uh yeah that's uh that's i'm just so excited that's all i wanted to say (laughs) (laughs) oh that's great that's great i and i i it does like i've seen some of the trailers it does look really great jody wicker really i think it embodies the character and like it's funny you mentioned the regeneration. That's the one thing I have seen in recent life mm. because like every time there's a regeneration, like I'm like I'm way behind on this. I can't watch an episode without being confused, but I'm gonna watch the regeneration <laughs> because that look it because it well it's cool for one. Just you know, kind of get both actors and you're right. Like Peter Capaldi was fantastic. Yeah, like, I, I that think was it's phenomenal. I think he had the best regeneration scene. Like the um. You know, the the comparison would, that you would make, I guess, would be sort of to, to David Tennant's send off because it was very similar as the end of an era, not just for the doctor, but for the showrunner as well. And, you know, Tennant's sort of send off was a very was very much a celebration of his era on the show. And same goes for Matt Smith Uh Matt Matt Smith's send off, and and same for Christopher Eccleston as well. Although you know Christopher Eccleston one season, it was more just sort of like, hey, it worked. <laughs> like <laughs> the show came, the show came back and it worked. Can you believe it, guys? But what I, I loved about Capaldi's regeneration was it's a celebration of what the show stands for and and what the the philosophy of that character is. And so to have that big soliloquy from PCAP. And to then have him regenerate into the first woman doctor. And it's sort of like the show is is going to is truly living up to the ideals that the doctor uh, espouses. It, it, I think mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and just everything we've seen from from Jody looks fantastic. And they had a, at, at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, there was a big Lego statue of, of Jody Whitaker and you could get your picture taken with it. And when you go to take your picture with it, they hand you. Her, they would hand you her uh, 
her sonic, her sonic screwdriver. And holding a sonic screwdriver is like holding a lightsaber. You can't not be happy when somebody <laughs> hands one to yes. you. And, I, I, you know, I was walking the floor with her buddy Jared, uh, Jared Jones of Podcast 2187. And, you know, he goes to take the picture and the lady from the BBC America booth hands me the, the sonic. And I like my I was already smiling. So like, oh, I'm going to take a fun picture with the, the, the Lego doctor. And then as soon as like I got the sonic, like my the, the smile just like got even wider. And it was so the pictures on my Instagram you just see me I look so gl- gloriously happy <laughs> and uh it was pretty pretty happy it was pretty pretty fun and I just yeah October 7th man it's a, a day at New York Comic Con plus Doctor new season of Doctor Who plus uh Star Wars Resistance it's gonna be great I don't know I don't know how I'm gonna survive Sundays for this fall <laughs> it's just gonna be, yeah that is it's insane it's like you know, usually Sunday is the worst because, you know, you have to go to work or school the next day. Uh, now it's like, no, no, looking forward to Sunday. It's because all, all my favorite shows are on. <laughs> it's like when Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones would air on Sunday, too. It's sort of like, oh, sucks. sucks that the weekend's over. But Game of Thrones is on. So we're good here. Uh, and we'll get that times two this fall. I love it. I love it. And I, I'm looking forward to it too. I'm I might even tune in myself. Yeah, might even perfect. try to do it's that. A perfect jumping on point. New new doctor, new companions, uh, new sonic screwdriver. Uh it's gonna be mostly uh, yeah. new villains. Like uh, you know, the, the the later stuff with each doctor, like the further you get into the doc like a, a doctor's run the more the show seems willing to uh you know dig into its legacy and start making deeper and deeper cuts and pulls um mm-hmm. but when you start with a new doctor especially when you have a new companion too it really makes that it really makes it a perfect jumping on point it's why uh, i'd say the perfect jumping on points thus far have been eccleston S- smith and now whitaker yeah yeah and just for me personally like just for like my schedule and the shows that I watch, like I'm losing like some of them intentionally, some of them not so intentionally, like, like shield is ending. Um, and then, um, with a lot of the air over shows, I've, I've, I've put both on this show and on uh, Twitter and Facebook complained about how I really, most of those shows have kind of turned me off. <laughs> so I might not watch like most of those. I need something else. I need something else to kind of um, to fill in that gap. So Doctor Who might might be that. Might yeah. be that. And, and if I watch it, then Zach might watch it, and then maybe we'll actually get to talk about it on the show again at some point. Yeah. Because we, we used to talk about Doctor Who like every like – every premiere and finale like i would just watch the finale just to keep up with the discussion yeah but i, I uh, remember being on with with jake and and you guys oh, and we yeah. were talking about i think it was the premiere of of series eight or nine it was one of the capaldi seasons mm-hmm. and yeah things things went off the rails i think that was the debut of the crazy train <laughs> the crazy train that sound, you're sound right bites. i think that was oh my god and that back might, that might have been the intergalactic peace jelly week too i think i have a feeling <laughs> so much so much insanity you know what you know what i'm thinking ben and i don't want to tell you how to do your show but for the the premiere of the next season of doctor who you watch it zach watches it you get me you get jake we re we recreate the magic yes (laughs) yes and we'll just we'll find a different band to mock mercilessly (laughs) on the show Let's talk about how much we hate One Direction. Yay! Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Oh, boy. 
So anyways, that, that that's uh, a Doctor Who. A ton of fun. Ton, ton of fun. And you know what? Also a ton of fun. You see, you like you like like that segue. I yeah, like it was a it. terrible segue. No, it's good. Um, Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince. That's what we're talking about tonight. And uh, I watched it. Zach watched it, and I, I, I hope he didn't waste his time, honestly, because I hope he can actually make it on to actually talk about it with us. If if not, if he doesn't make it before the end of the show, because he, he has duty calls, he has a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he doesn't, we're gonna. Tr- I'll try to get him to record something, whatever. Maybe we'll throw it to the end of the show, so w- you'll hear his voice at some point during the show, hopefully. But uh, yeah, I guess let's just go and jump into it. Um, I, I kind of I don't know where to start with me. So I'm going to throw it to you, Dominic. Like, what what are your overall thoughts on Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince? Yeah. So so this was a movie that I didn't fully appreciate when it first came out. Um, I remember reading the book the night it came out, and like like really like that was one of or like I think I said last week, Order of the Phoenix was the first one I remember like getting it the day it came out and and reading it like in that that next week same same thing happened with uh, half-blood prince actually um the night that half-blood prince came out i remember like that day my mom was like oh half you know half-blood prince is coming out and i'm like yeah i know i'm, I'm really excited she's like we're gonna go to the bookstore at midnight and get it and i'm like i can't wait and then my mom and dad went out that night and they had a babysitter for me and my brother and the babysitter put 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 us to bed and i was like but 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 harry potter and the babysitter's like no (laughs) no you have to go to bed and then when my parents came home my mom came and woke me up she's like are we going to the bookstore or what i'm like we're going to the bookstore um and (laughs) we we went and we got it and it was really fun i still have this it gave us this little tiny flashlight like a little personal flashlight so that you could read it in the car on the way home and it says on it it says harry potter and the half-blood prince and it says the the release date july whatever it was was and and wow. i remember try, like trying to read that first chapter in the time it took to drive back home from the bookstore um and and then just sort of powering through it and and getting to the moment at the end so i i was really into the book when it came out um and then when the films came out after uh, deathly hallows the book came out the the films became kind of less of a priority for me so i i didn't rush out to see any of them even uh, like deathly hallows part two i think i waited until the the second weekend um and uh but in this instance uh so and and with this one like i think i waited two or three weeks to to go and see it uh and and uh, when i went saw i was like okay that was a pretty good adaptation but it you know knowing where the story goes it, it it felt a little bit like like just sort of like that that necessary necessary sort of middle chapter, but not all that exciting, not as exciting yeah, as, yeah. as as the book felt the night it came out. Um, and as I'm and I, I suspect from from what little I've, we've heard from Zach tonight, I think Zach enjoyed this one a lot better. So I think his at least at least with him his his first viewing of the movie is more along the lines of my first uh, reading of the book. Um, now having gone back and rewatched the movie both for this show and several months earlier i think uh you know i think before i think around this time last year i did like a harry potter marathon of them all and i going back um and watching it then and then watching again now i have a much bigger or much better appreciation for for it um 
it, in the time as I've I've rewatched it, and and part of that is the, um, the. Oh my god, I'm, I almost lost my train of thought. Is the um the performance of. Uh, the character of Professor Slughorn by Jim Broadbent. Uh, also, just the way it depicts Voldemort in the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Harry and Hermione friendship, which is a friendship that you know we usually tend to focus on on Harry and Ron or Ron and Hermione, but to get some some really nice moments with Harry and Hermione, I thought were really good. And also, just the Harry Dumbledore relationship. I mean, that's one that that I, I know I've loved since the beginning uh and uh we we really see it come to a come to a, a, a very um i no I, I won't say i won't say culmination just yet well i'll i'll leave that you know there's there's more to come about um you, you know i, I remember I, I don't think this is a spoiler because this is something joe rolling said um after half-blood prince came out and somebody asked her some kid asked her why did you kill dumbledore and uh, she said, "It's not because I'm awful, but it's because it's important to the story." So there are there is more layers to Dumbledore and uh, and and his relationship to Harry, or Harry's relationship with to, with um, the man or the man he thought he knew. Uh, that's still to come in in uh, Deathly Hollows. But uh, just what we get in in this movie, this is finally the time. You know, Dumbledore has always kind of been that character that's just a little bit. You know, he pops in at, at important moments, but he he really doesn't usually factor into the story in a big way he's kind of overseeing it watching it all and this is the first time we see them together working together throughout the film so yeah like i said i love the book and have really grown to appreciate the movie um in the times that i've rewatched it uh lately so uh now i'll throw it over to you ben what do what did you think of, of half-blood prince sure so i am i feel like I sympathize with both your earlier point of view and your now point of view. Right. In that I'm I'm a little bit conflicted in this movie. Like I in on one hand like my initial reaction was like okay, that happened. I just was kind of meh on it, you know, it 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 does like going into it, you know, especially after the events of the past couple of films, you know things are heating up. We're heading towards you know, you know, Voldemort is back. We know there's a final confrontation coming up. We don't know when that's going to happen. And outside of flashbacks, Voldemort does not appear in this movie, really. Right. Um. So does he appear in the book? No, no, he doesn't. He is. Wow. He, you get him in flashbacks and uh, not at all in the um, uh, in the present. Mm. See, that's interesting. And, and it's I think it's. I think it's actually brilliant, even though I'm like I'm 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 on the edge of my seat. Like this is all coming to the head. It's we're, we're many films into this and or many books, depending on how you're enjoying this. And, you know, you're building up to something and you're waiting for that cusp of getting over that hill of what's going to happen, what's going to be the conclusion. You feel like you're getting close to that. And as you said, I think you kind of summed it up is that it feels kind of like I'm a middle chapter. It feels like, you know, we're kind of thing. But it is is it's an important it has an important role to play and that's what I'm leading up to is that it feels kind of lackluster in a way from a certain point of view but it also it deals with a lot of different things it deals with kind of breaking down the characters a bit more it deals with the interpersonal relationships and you know they've been kind of hinting all this time about 
who's going to end up with who, you know, Hermione and Ron and all this kind of stuff. And it's all out in the open in this movie. It's it's very well addressed. And by the end, it kind of seems clear as to, you know, who's with who. And it's pretty satisfying from that point of view. But also, you know, knowing what we know is going to come. And even if you haven't seen this, you know that, you know, Deathly Hallows is coming. I think it's important to kind of take a step back and not have Voldemort at all, which is pretty bold when yeah. you're building this up you establish this m- huge villain that had some pretty intense scenes in the past couple movies now he's gone he's just in the thing but you feel his presence through these flashbacks and through this you know getting his backstory and learning more about him so that when we do get to him you'll actually feel like you know him and know where he's coming from at least yeah and you know i think that's important too in, in so a- and Go ahead. In a way, it's a little bit of a throwback. Like in those first three stories, like Voldemort is sort of a, a presence in all of them, but he's not yeah. actually there. In this one, he goes back to being a presence after being a very sort of active participant in the last two stories. Um, and, and, and yeah, it is a bold choice to sort of say, all right, we're going to take a step back and we're going to focus on our heroes because there's, you know, there's not a lot we can learn about Voldemort in the present. He's evil. And what we need to know about him to defeat him all has to do with how he got there. And there's a really sort of interesting, it's a, there's an interesting sort of meditation on, on how someone becomes evil. Are they kind of born evil? And, and I I think it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's kind of the opposite of what George Lucas did with Anakin Skywalker, where, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not somebody's born evil. It's, you know, they're a, you know, they that's something that they become. I, I get the impression that Tom, especially in, in the, the 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 film, he was evil. He was he was a he was a bratty little kid. He was stealing from people, he was hurting the other kids. Like he thought Dumbledore was a doctor who was coming to take him away because he was crazy and he was hurting all the other kids. Um and then he so he so the, so he kind of was a a, a, a a rotten little kid and then he kind of grows out of that sort of bad behavior and into a more sinister kind and there's that great scene and again full credit to jim broadbent as an actor where he says to harry before he gives him the the key memory you don't know what he was like even then and then you see that scene and the language that that Voldemort uses is is full on, or Tom uses is full on like abusive. Uh, I mean, I, I hate to throw this term around, but it, it's got it's, uh, it's got a bit of a rapey vibe to it. Like he says, mm. "This will be our little secret to Slughorn," which wow. and and that's a line that only really hit me on this sort of most recent viewing when i saw when i saw that i was like i was like oh my god that might have been the most uh, that, that's like so that uh, creepy that's like one of the most creepiest things that he's done and this is a guy whose face looks like a snake um but that line is 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 very sinister and you understand how he was able to manipulate so many people into becoming his followers uh he he you know he played on there he was able he was able to make people do what he wanted without using magic just with his powers of persuasion and uh yeah i I think to to take that step back and really learn about how much of a threat voldemort is both in a sort of 
uh, plot sense in that there are horcruxes. There are you know that he split his soul seven times. So there's 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 six horcruxes out there. You know there's the one soul, the one bit of soul that he's got in him, and uh, there's there's all those other horcruxes. There's, there's six other objects: the diary being one, the ring being one, the locket being one, and well, you know we'll 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 find out about the other ones. Um, but it it uh, <laughs> it, it does. Um, yeah, it, 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 but but also so for, from like a plot sense, we find out how evil he is and how difficult he's going to be and what he's like and how difficult he's going to be to take down. But also we find that out on a sort of internal level. We understand we get to understand him as a character far more and how he's able to wield his power, not just with magic, but with his words. Yeah, it's and that's that's a testament to the character is that he's not on screen. He's never there. Yeah. And even besides the the flashbacks and with the characters that have interacted with him, kind of talking about him, you have his followers. I mean, the movie opens with a big scene. And that and it's and it's actually the open scene is kind of refreshing to me at least. Mm. Like like I don't I'm not I'm not saying this is my opinion, but I am saying that the opening opening with the Dursleys doing something crazy every <laughs> single movie can get old. I can yeah. see how that would get old. It doesn't it doesn't really bother me, but I can understand like being that being a little bit repetitive. And they do something a little bit different and and it kind of fades in the later movies. But like having this movie just open with Harry, he's just in a coffee shop or whatever, and then him and Dumbledore go on an adventure and to go visit this guy, like that's refreshing, and it's also just like the change of pace of, you know, and also just with the whole thing with the Death Eaters attacking yeah. and attacking people in the real world, the Muggle world, like stuff's happening, you know, and I mean, this darkness is really looming high over everyone in this movie, yeah. and it's also it's about his followers doing stuff. It's it's Malfoy, it's Snape, it's these guys are plotting and they're getting their orders. You know, Voldemort, who knows where he is, but it doesn't matter because it's his followers that are the true, you know, the threat right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Voldemort on his own is, is a threat. Obviously, we've seen that, but he is just one man. And, uh, you know, it, it's when he has amassed an army and, and we'll see the, the results of that. We see the results of that a little bit at the beginning, but we'll really see that in the next uh, two films. Now I'll, I'll, I'm going to sort of tell, tell you something, Ben, uh, about how sure. the book opens. Cause I want to see what, what you think of this, because this was, I remember going into half blood Prince. This was a sort of a debate. Like, is this scene going to be in the movie? Because here's how the book opens. The book opens. The first chapter is with the muggle prime minister of England or of the UK. Uh -huh. And he's in his office. He's just, you know, doing prime minister stuff. And he looks over at this one wacky portrait that he has in his office. And it starts moving and talking to him. And it says, the Minister for Magic will be coming to visit you in, at such and such a time. And then the Prime Minister sort of goes, oh, God, not again. And he thinks back on all the other times that this portrait has spoken to him and that Cornelius Fudge has come to visit him. And, and basically... Uh, you know, on that first occasion after he was first elected prime minister, um, the fudge came to visit him was just like, yo, just so you know, we exist. We probably won't have much contact, you and I, but just in case, you know, I might, if anything important happens, I'll pop in and let you know. 
<laughs> and basically fudge has to keep visiting him like he, there's like three or four more times uh, he just where he just sort of remembers that fudge came to visit him and then in this one fudge comes to visit him and lets him know that voldemort is indeed back and you know that there is this threat out there and it's and, and then he also reveals that he's been fired that he loses his job so the 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 Minister for Magic is no, no longer Cornelius Fudge, and you guys will actually meet the the new one in uh, Deathly Hallows Part One, Mister Scrimger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was this sort of sort of weird, funny little scene of like one of the few Muggles that gets to know about the Wizarding World and and how the the two worlds interact. Um, in the end, it makes it makes a lot of sense that it was cut. It doesn't really add a ton to the to the story other than giving us a little it's a kind of a little bit of a world a little bit of world building a little bit of a reminder of where we've been mm-hmm. uh, but it was that was how that was how the book opened it didn't open with these sort of attacks the way uh the way this one i mean they kind of talk about how there have been some attacks but they don't they wasn't they, that wasn't the feature of the opening the feature of the opening was this was the scene what do you what do you think of that how does that sound to you would that have would you have been interested in seeing that scene I would have loved to see that scene. I think that's, I think that's one thing. That's where kind of the the whole. Sus- I have to kind of suspend disbelief in a in a way, and I'm interested in like how that whole dynamic works because you have like this isn't this is you know as a lot of stories do it's creating this divide between what's going on in this fantasy world and what's going on in the real world. Mm. And some universes can kind of mold the two, like the MCU we were talking about earlier. Like it's kind of going in the direction of like that universe is changing into something different. Whereas the Harry Potter universe is Muggles, normal, Wizarding World is this, and they're kind of separated, and the Wizarding World, you know, kind of keeps to themselves and is very secretive. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm wondering like, how does that work? Like you've got the normal world, and oh by the way, there's a bunch of there's a whole secret society of wizards. You know, living in the back streets of London, like how does that work? I'm interested. I would love to see, like, you know, that's just a little bit of taste of, like, yeah. okay, this is what goes down. Well, you know, the prime minister is kind of in on it. He knows what's going on. That'd be cool. Yeah, well, I'll, 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 we get you get a little bit more of an on the ground look at that in Fantastic Beasts. Okay, so you know, it does like it doesn't get super in depth into it, but there's a little bit more. I mean, one of the main characters in Fantastic Beasts, Dan Fogler's character is a muggle or nomad because he's american um so it, it that that's a question that i i think maybe jk was a little bit interested in so that's so she, when she went back to uh to do fantastic beasts she she picked up on it for for that uh but yeah, yeah i i i think I, I think ultimately for the sake of the film i think they made the right decision to drop that scene probably but, but as a fan I, you know I, I i thought it was a really sort of clever way to open the book um, and it would have been fun to see on the big screen. Although, actually, I remember reading it for the first time. It was sort of like I was so like ready for like more stuff with Harry and Hermione and Dumbledore and all this stuff, and to get this scene that's basically a previously on Harry Potter was sort of like, okay, I need to get through this, and it was only sort of after I finished reading the book and thought back on it, I'm like, oh, that was a cool scene. I like, I like that it started that way. So, again, it, it makes sense for the sake of the movie that that's, that's what we get. Um, 
one of the other, one of the the new characters that were introduced to it. I've, I've already sort of sung the praises of this uh, this actor in particular, but I, I want to get your take on this. Ben uh, is Professor Horace Slughorn, played brilliantly <laughs> by the great Jim Broadbent. What do you think of the new potions master? I liked him a lot. I, uh, you know, he's he's definitely got he's you know not to be punny here, but he's got a lot of character. Yeah, he's a thing, and then just he is kind of this whimsical kind of you know as we know with certain you know with most if not all the the teachers at hogwarts like they've got a sort of whimsy to them and they're kind of crazy or whatever like that they've got their own clicks or whatever and this guy's no different you know he shows up he's a chair (laughs) because (laughs) that's the thing you can do he's trying to hide from the death eaters like it makes sense also kind of plays into like there's this looming threat that's going on people trying to hide and people are disappearing which is kind of terrifying but then taking him back and then explaining that this character has this dark backstory that he had a relationship with Voldemort and, you know, kind of, you know, showing like kind of shady. They don't necessarily trust him and he's got this thing and he's very, he's not very forthcoming about it, understandably. And, you know, Harry trying to get that out of him, I think was really, you know, you kind of peel back the shades and the layers of that character as you go through the film and you're really kind of, you know, you're introduced to him in one place, but at the, at, at the end, he's very, you know, being pulled back into this and kind of the weight of everything's kind of weighing on him. Yeah, he, he starts the story as very much just sort of like, oh, here's the new eccentric professor, like you said. Mm-hmm. And you kind of think he's going to be along the lines of of um, Gilderoy Lockhart or Mad-Eye Moody or even um, Professor Umbridge in the sense that, He's just got his quirks, and that's just him, and it'll factor into the story in some way. But to give him, and and like, I don't think he's a bad, he's not a bad guy, he's not a bad character, but um, he becomes sort of a, 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 a device to show just how evil Voldemort could be, even at that young age. And... I, you know, I after rewatching all the films last year, I, I went back and was sort of just sort of rereading some choice segments of the books. And I remember reading some scenes with Slughorn and, uh, you know, the book Slug, book Slughorn is fine. But this is one instance where the film depiction, I think, is uh, is an improvement on the book. And I think that all goes to to Jim Broadbent. And there's that scene that that scene when Harry has taken the, 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 the luck potion and they, the Hagrid is asleep next to him and Harry asks him for the memory and you just, it's one shot and it's just a slow zoom and it's all about Jim Broadbent's performance. It's, you know, there's not, there's no, no obvious CG. There's not a big action sequence. There's no music. We're not cutting in between. It's not an argument. It's just him and he's he's kind of monologuing a little bit just about this this moment in his life that he has he's tried to forget. He's literally tried to destroy the memory, and it's just a slow zoom as as this man grapples with the role he may have inadvertently played in the creation of of the source of all of this pain that has befallen the the world not just the wizarding world but the muggle world as well right and and i you know harry, harry none of the harry potter movies won any oscars or anything they weren't you know, they're not known for their great performances necessarily sort of like star wars um mm-hmm. but 
just that what that one scene with Jim Broadbent where he you know he takes this character who was so eccentric and fun that you really I I love anytime he is on screen but then all of a sudden it's he becomes so dark and and you realize beneath this sort of outer layer of you know so that's all he's almost Lockhart-esque you know he's he's not he doesn't necessarily want to be the hero the way Lockhart does but he wants to be around all of the heroes he wants to just sort of glom on to all these famous people he wants to be in their entourage and he's always sort of name dropping and bragging and 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 it's not the same as lockhart obviously who just sort of made up these fantasies and and stole other people's achievements and and then cast himself as the hero but there's 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 elements that are similar there of, of people um you know sort of just wanting to be famous for things that other people did or be known for things that other people did and and that so he seems like a very um superficial guy like he doesn't have a lot of depth to him but then in that moment he's still very much slughorn he doesn't feel like a different character um but it feels like we're understanding what where all of that sort of outer sheen comes from and and part part of the reason not the entire reason i think there is just at his core he just wants to be around famous people and you know in a sense who can blame him uh but i think there is sort of like a, a realization that he he really hides a lot of pain behind that because of this instance because of of how he was taken advantage of by Voldemort who took advantage of his sort of his willingness to to um you know both his 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 sort of his his willingness to to help people to help students but also his you know his his desire to be that guy who's always sort of mm-hmm. just off to the side you know he's he's in every picture from history he's just not the main guy you know he didn't he wasn't giving the speech. He was there standing, clapping for it, <laughs> you know, like that kind of <laughs> that kind of thing. And and Voldemort takes advantage of of this sort of uh, relationship that he cultivates with these students. And and I think you know, I think Slughorn, in a sense, knows he knows that Voldemort played him. He knows that he, his weaknesses, and and he blames himself. I think for a lot of what happened, and that's how you wound up with the with with this character with this character who he becomes, and and just. Yeah, Jim Broadbent, man. What a performance. What a performance. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's interesting how, you know, you had the tradition of different teachers and 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 th- at this point, you know when the new teacher comes along, there's something up with this guy or this girl. Like, you know, then there's something going to there's something's going to happen. They're going to play into the story somehow and it, you know, it might not be as it seems. And it's interesting too. I think what's good about this guy is that he is He's tragic, but he's not in the tragic way that he's evil or that he's done yeah. something, you know, maybe not done something bad, but he's done, he's been manipulated and he's part of, you know, he's someone who is ashamed of the fact yeah. that he, and, and, you know, played a part in this. There's always sort of a, a in a sense, in, in essence, there's kind of a twist with behind each uh, each teacher that sort of gets intru- introduced, and usually they're sort of they're, they they have a flair for the dramatic. You know, Quirrell had Voldemort in the back of his head. Lockhart stole all those ideas and didn't actually do those things himself. Uh, Lupin was a werewolf. I mean, 
His name was, as, as was pointed out the week we talked about it, his name was Lupin. Uh, he was a werewolf. Mad-Eye Moody was not Mad-Eye Moody. He was David Tennant, uh, evil David Tennant. Um, uh, <laughs> even even Umbridge, like, there's not necessarily a twist for her. She's just she's just shitty from the beginning. <laughs> um, but, but he, he uh, the, the, uh, you, there was always, you're always kind of waiting for that new teacher to be, to be evil in a sense or have an evil uh or or bad turn and that's basically what happened like we said quirrell had voldemort lockhart was was full of it uh and really just a coward uh lupin as great a guy as he is he turns into a werewolf mad eye moody was not actually mad eye moody and umbridge uh was just awful um and and you're expecting that with slughorn but it turns out he, in a way, is 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 the victim, he, or not not just in a way, he is the victim of of Voldemort's less obvious attacks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- and that's I mean, you see this happening, you see this happening with you know people like Malfoy and all this kind of stuff. He's he's actively manipulating people to do his bidding. He's not even in the picture. He's off whatever Voldemort is doing. Like he's letting other people do his dirty work, and you know you see that happening right now. Whereas you're seeing this in the past now too. That this isn't something new. That Voldemort has been doing this literally all his life, and you know that's and, and it takes a toll on all these people because they're ultimately going to regret it. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the relationship dramas. Um, yeah, you have Ron and um, Lavender, and I can't remember if do they. I can't remember if, if this is still in the in the movie, but I really remember standing out in the book her nickname for him of Juan Juan, um, <laughs> uh, and and that sort of weird relationship you have Hermione and her feel her feelings for Ron, um, Hermione dodging Cormac. (laughs) Um, you have Harry and his feelings for, for Ginny, even though she's with, with Dean. Um, and then of course, Luna just being Luna being awesome as she does. Um, what did you, what did you think? Uh, Was this something that you think was, uh, was important to, to the story at this point, or could you have done without this, these, um, as some might call them distractions. My only, my only concern with this is like, it's about time. Mm. Like that they try. <laughs> I like, I expected this to be addressed like a couple movies ago. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So uh, like, I, it's not like expected. It's just like it. The only thing that surprises me is that it's so like, it's such a big part of the story it hasn't been a part of the story previously to me. That less I, I mean, I'm obviously there was a hinting and stuff like that, yeah, but I mean, like you have all that, like stuff there's in... no full blown, like you got to go back to like the, the party, like the ball scenes yeah. from like, Goblin. you know, way back to actually get some like I mean, that's, interpersonal. That's just one movie ago or one book ago, well, but it does feel like a long time, especially no, if no, you that have... I'm talking about the ballroom. I think it was, what was it? The in Goblet uh, of Fire. Yeah. I, I guess that's two movies, depending on how you want. Like, there's only, like, it's, it's been a while for me. All okay, right? yeah, no, and 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 when you are watching or reading them as they come out, even not even on our sort of like condensed schedule of a couple of months in between some of these stories, it does, yeah, it does feel like there was a a long gap there. Um, 
Sorry, do continue. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. I, I basically, you know, just, you know, my general thoughts is just like, yeah, like this makes sense that they would finally address this. Just like, you know, it hasn't been as big of a part of the story as I thought it would be previously. But, you know, having it all on the open, and of course, it feels, I don't know, it feels almost like they, you know, I don't know for sure. This is just me speculating. But, like, it almost feels like J.K. Rowling, like, was kind of holding off and then realized, oh, crap, like, we're coming to the ending. I need to kind of establish where these people are going to be and who they need to be with mm-hmm. um, to kind of, for it to play into what inevitably, inevitably will be the ending of the story. Um, but, you know, I knew all this was coming, but, you know, it's definitely <laughs> and it's entertaining as heck to see, you know, Ron with this girl and, you know, something going on, especially when you kind of, you know, I had an idea as to who ends up with who. Mm-hmm. So it's more entertaining to see the what ifs and the the annoyances of the characters when they when they when they also are aware of the fact that things aren't as they should be. Yeah. Yeah. For for, for sure. The way I, I kind of look at it is. um it's it's sort of it, it does sort of strike me as a little bit late, sort of like how you how, what you're saying. Although we have to keep in mind these these characters aren't actually that old. I mean, their actors are significantly older at this point, but these are you know sixteen year olds. And I understand that that you're dealing with like they started as little kids, mm-hmm. and you don't want to start that early with you know thinking about you know certain things about you know Snogging. sexual. Snogging. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's how the, how they say it. That how the, the well, that's say. I mean, that's just making out. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's it, yeah. But but sort of I, what I'm saying, it does kind of feel and and in the sort of the context of the fight against Voldemort, it maybe does feel a little bit out of place. But and not to just tie everything back to to Star Wars, but you, you have to remember what you're fighting for. Are you fighting mm-hmm. to to destroy what you hate, or are you fighting to save what you love? And it, it, I think in this movie, you get a really strong sense of you're fighting to save what you love. Like these, all these sort of re- relationships and that sort of thing, they are what really matters. You know, y- yeah, you have to stop Voldemort, but it's not stopping Voldemort for the sake of stopping Voldemort. It's stopping Voldemort so that um, you can live in peace with, with these and, and have these relationships and have these relationships flourish. Because if you don't stop Voldemort, people going to die. And uh, it's it's you know that that you won't be able to 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 live out these these true relationships. But in order to remember what you're fighting for, you, you know they have to be in place. And we'll see in the next one in particular, like what happens when you get a little bit too focused on your mission. You kind of start to forget what you're actually fighting for, and and some some things. Some, so there's some some more interpersonal stuff that goes down in um, Deathly Hallows Part One in particular. Um, but let's let's talk about the pairings, mm-hmm. Ron and Hermione, th- uh, the ultimate pairings, not the ones like the, yeah. the, the ultimate pairings. Ron and Hermione, thoughts? I mean, again, about damn time. Yeah, like yeah, like like I, I yeah, I've been around, I've seen the memes, <laughs> I knew where that was going. It was just like, oh, finally, and you're with Hermione when she's like crying because yeah. he's off with that. Like you totally feel for her. She's like. This is not right. This is totally unfair. How dare you, Ron? Well, and and yeah, you're you're so right. You're so right about that. And and what I love about sort of the the winding road to get to that, and it is those. It is like 
scenes like that of of Harry and Hermione where they're kind of separated from Ron because Ron gets separated from them in in this mm-hmm. story and she, he winds up spending all of his time with Lavender and so you get these great scenes between Harry and Hermione and you don't always get those usually like I said off the top usually you get Harry and Ron um and and because Hermione's separated because separated from them because she's a girl or what I don't know you know like she's always got some other reason to be somewhere else and it's you know it's it's bro time bro um <laughs> with, with Harry and Ron but here you get lots of fun scenes between Harry and Hermione like like just when they're talking about Quidditch and and that sort of thing and and you know how he Harry pretends to put the Felix Felicius uh uh potion into Ron's drink and you know him and Hermione are sort of they're debating the ethics of it and Harry just sort of goes yeah that would be bad uh if I had actually done it and you know he faked it and then he sort of calls her out on the fact that she was using the uh I think it was a confundus charm on Cormac during <laughs> during the tryouts. It, it was um, yeah, and she's like, "Oh, the, well, that was different." Yeah, like, it's just practice. Know. But you know, I mean, yeah, it's just practice. We're not not the, to quote to quote Alan Iverson, not the game, not the game. We talking about practice. That's what Hermione was basically saying. <laughs> um, um, uh, so yeah, yeah. So Ron and Hermione, Ron and Hermione. Yeah, it's about damn time. Harry and Ginny, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think I think definitely. I like how Ginny has has kind of been in the background. Mm. Like she's kind of he hasn't done a whole lot. She hasn't said a whole lot. Like I think in the last movie, like she kind of was kind of pushed up to kind of be a major player, but she didn't say much. Mm-hmm. Um, she was just kind of there. Yeah, and I like that. Just the whole like. This is one of the most impressive supporting casts of any franchise yes. that I've seen. Oh, I know yeah. you said that you said I remember you said that early on that like you're gonna see these characters a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's still like it astounds me like most of the time, you know, they it's just it's just Hollywood. It's just the business of you get a supporting cast and you get a main actors and then you yeah. come back for the sequel and all those actors have gone their separate ways, they're doing other things. And I guess it helps that they're you know, they started out as kids and yeah. they were, you know, maybe didn't have a whole lot else going on. And, and also but that, like, that, that the, they, the, so many of the books were already out and that JK Rowling was so involved with the films that she could tell them like, no, no, you need to sign these people to long-term contracts. Like yeah, f- five picture deals. Let's go. Let's get this. Let's get this settled. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure that helped a lot. And just, just having like it, helps this universe because because you notice things like that you notice in star wars you know that you know dadana is not around anymore what happened to him (laughs) nobody knows he's just gone and riken's there what's the deal and then the next movie riken's gone and then akbar's there what's going on like and then you don't then the next then in last jedi where the hell is um admiral satura or um (laughs) Uh, it's it's Satura, exactly. right? Uh, where, where, exactly. Where's Adel Snap? Satura. Where's Snap? Where's Jess? Where's yeah? Uh, where's um? And they, they've Ghost got all these excuses, these in your in universe excuses about what happened to the to the character. Oh, what you have to read doing, the Poe Dameron If they died, comic. if they lived. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, I, I think uh, I think it, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And I, I actually I remember bringing that up. I think when we talked about. I might have been with Philosopher Stone how like they cast this this little girl to be Ginny for that one scene. And they could have easily recast for the next one when she's 
actually like a, a main character and they could have easily recast at any point when they're sort of like oh wow yeah she's gonna be like harry's love interest maybe we need somebody who's more than just an extra and you see that happen in movies i mean in movies and tv show i mean you look at game of thrones the uh lannister kids in that first season are not the same lannister kids that you see in season six and seven or, or five and six i should say um with the exception of Joffrey, obviously, but like, you know, Marcella, Tommen, they changed. Like they're, they're not the same people. Um, yeah. And, yeah. And, th- and this is a case where Bonnie Wright came in, in Philosopher's Stone and she stays all the way through Deathly Hollows, And she, uh, you know, she was great in Chamber of Secrets, Secrets, and she gets, just gets better as, as, uh, as the series goes. And I think, uh, you know, everybody just has to give it up for Ginny for being the one person ever to actually, um, wind up in a relationship with their celebrity crush. And (laughs) 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 I I mean, I don't know. Can I drop one spoiler on you, Ben? From, from where? From, from Deathly Hallows. Just one. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I know most of them anyway. They get married. Like she doesn't just, she doesn't just hook up with her celebrity crush. She gets, she marries him and they stay happily married through, um, well, post deathly hallows through, um, cursed child. That's my one, it's my mm-hmm. one little spoiler. And I'm just, it's not really a spoiler. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not because like they, that image of Ron and Hermione and Harry <laughs> and, and Ginny on the platform, <laughs> seeing their kids off, that's been on the internet like all over the place. Right. Like I've yeah. seen it a thousand times. So like I know where it ends. Yeah. Like I knew this was coming. Like it's not a big surprise. Um there's no way to avoid it. Like I got no one to blame but myself. I'm not gonna play my spoilers. I could have watched these movies twenty you know, when they came out, but I didn't. So there. Exactly. I mean that's the that's the ultimate that's the in my opinion, the right attitude to have about spoilers, but you know, that's something this is I think this is why we podcast together is because we <laughs> share <laughs> we share that opinion. Um exactly. so that we're not like dancing around each other going, It's a spoiler. Uh no, no. And there's lots of reasons we podcast together. Yeah, and often on this show I will troll Zach and say, you know, oh, we're talking about this fifteen year old movie. Spoiler alert. Um <laughs> and then he rolls his eyes and the whole audience rolls their eyes and yeah yeah so um yeah so 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 those are the 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 key relationships uh in a uh romantical sense as uh jake peralta might say (laughs) um or romantic styles um but uh, let's talk about the other sort of driving relationship in this this film and the story the harry and dumbledore dynamic Mm mm-hmm what what did you think of seeing those two together, not just for a couple of scenes at the beginning and the end of the story, but really going on an adventure together? I like that a lot. I think it just it's a good part of the story because, I mean, knowing now that this is Dumbledore's last movie, mm-hmm. I think. And as you said last week, it seems like they're more as peers than like as, you know, master and student, for lack of a better term, like. They and it's it's as if Dumbledore really is kind of passing the torch to mm-hmm. to Harry in a way that, you know, and he's not going to be around anymore. And you you have and it's important for Harry's character for him to he's continuing to level up and be become more part of the story and be in position of self more to 
be the one to you know ultimately confront Voldemort. But mm-hmm. I think he continually keeps losing his the people closest to him, his mentors. Yeah, and you know that's that's your hero's journey. That's general thing that you know you keep going. You learn a bit for some of these people, and then they're gone. You have to go it alone. And that's where Harry's at right now. It's important for his story, I think. And Dumbledore, I mean, is really great in this one. This is one of his biggest. It's Michael Gambon's definitely one of his biggest roles in any of these movies. Like his biggest part in it, yeah. I should say. But you know, I think it just it drives home the fact that you know, especially the ending, it drives it home that this is big deal. Things are never going to be the same again. You know, Harry and all these guys are truly on their own. They have to figure this out on their own. And, you know, it's up to the kids now. You know, the the, the ultimate, you know, the, the safety net that always that has always been there, Dumbledore, is gone. And that ups the stakes so much. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't have said it, said it better myself. I mean, that that's one of the really that was one of the things that. It, I, I think is one of the the best things about this book is it gives and the film is it gives you that which we've kind of craved since the beginning that this idea of seeing Harry and Dumbledore on a mission together, uh, even if you haven't even if it's not something you sort of thought you really wanted to see when you start seeing it you were like oh damn nice this is gonna be good uh, and, and especially coming off Order of the Phoenix where Dumbledore won't even look at Harry for half of the half of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you get it, and and the fact that you get this little taste of you know Harry and Dumbledore, the two ge- the generations coming together to fight evil, uh, and then to have one of them taken away so dramatically at the end, it, it gives it a little bit of a bittersweet sweet vibe to it. Like you get this one adventure with them, but it's the last one. Um, yeah. Now the the adventure they go on is in search of the Horcruxes, right. And which is the splitting of one's soul and attaching it to an object so that if you die, you can resurrect yourself. And uh, we learn in, in the film that one of the Horcruxes we've already seen before, it was the diary. It was Tom Riddle's diary from, from uh, Chamber of Secrets. And then the, there's yeah. another one, which is... Dumbledore, which is the ring that Dumbledore sought out and destroyed himself, and that's how his hand winds up being all darkened. This is a this is a very sort of dark idea, and it really again it sort of hammers home uh, just how evil Voldemort has become, and you know, twisted and evil by the dark side. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what what did you think of the, of Horcruxes in general? That's a concept I wasn't really familiar with. It was pretty new to me. Um, and it's really interesting and you, and you, I mean, of course, more set up for the future and you know where this is going that, you know, they're going to have to, there is feasibly, cause before this, it's like Voldemort's back. Well, how do you defeat him? Like, you know, like he's the most powerful person in the world. Like, you know, he's, and he's very powerful and, you know, Harry's the one that has to do it, but how is he going to do it? And I think, you know, it's interesting to kind of go down this path of, trying to unravel this mystery and ultimately coming to the conclusion of what needs to be done and how it needs to be done. And the Horcruxes, you know, of course, if you get them all, maybe there's a chance you can actually defeat Voldemort. So I think the whole concept of that is pretty interesting. And I like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see like where this goes and how it plays into Deathly Hollows and 
what it's going to mean for these characters over the next couple of films. I have my theories, but you know, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there's, there's only, only a few Horcruxes that, uh, that are, you know, there's, there's, well, there's, there's only a few that have been destroyed and there's a lot more still out there very quickly. I, Cause I know we're, we're starting to run short on, on time. Um, any theories on, because these were the big discussion topics between Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, the books. Any theories on what else might be Horcruxes and who R.A.B. might be? Because, of course, the, the, what they thought was the Horcrux, the locket, turns out to have been a fake because somebody, somebody else discovered the secret and uh, sought out to destroy the, the locket and, and the other ones. Any theories on who R.A.B. is or what other Horcruxes might be out there? R.A.B. That's interesting. Is that a code or is that actually somebody's initials? It's somebody's initials. Oh. Any 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 theories? Any names that start with B or R or A? Oh. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> okay, good, good. I, I, I won't. I, 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 I will say, we've heard the name before in the films, but that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Okay. Um, and okay. Any, any theories on what else might be a Horcrux? Ooh, that's interesting. I, ooh, it has to be an inanimate object. I'm assuming. No. No. <laughs> no? no okay. That, that doesn't have to be an inanimate object. Wow. Okay, that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, I want to say like somebody's wand or whatever. I don't know. Um, or one of the one of the tables in the in the dining room. That's a horcrux. <laughs> that makes sense. Hey, sure. Right I... under the, it was right under their nose the entire time. Naturally. Yeah. Well, great, great guess, Ben. Obviously, you've discovered the. <laughs> <laughs> the third Horcrux, yes. <laughs> or I guess the fourth Horcrux, if we count the locket. Um, all right, so uh, yeah, just something to think about before we get to, to Deathly Hallows. Uh, but let's 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 move on. And uh, I mean, uh, oh, um, do, do you want to do your your ad break, Ben, or uh, should we just keep going? We'll just keep going. Let's just keep going. We don't need commercial. <laughs> uh, um, all right, the finale. Snape killed Dumbledore. Damn. How how did you how did you find out about this? I, how, how were you spoiled? Were you well? How how did you find out? I I'm read in multiple conversations in multiple threads over multiple years of people just being a holes. Oh, uh, saying <laughs> Snape kills Dumbledore, just like mm. you know Luke kill uh. uh Luke Skywalker is Darth Vader's son, and 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 Snape kills Dumbledore, and yeah. and uh, what's the? I don't want to spoil any of the other ones. There, there's an I know th- I know the spoiler for uh, the Sixth Sense. <laughs> oh, I know that one. Right. I've never seen that movie. I know I know what it is. <laughs> do you know? Who I don't Kais, want... Do you know who Kaiser uh, Sorce? I think that's Kaiser Soze is. Do you know that one? I have no idea who you're talking uh, about. Okay, good. Don't 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 <laughs> Google that. Um, Oh boy! Um, but yeah, I so. saw it coming, of course. This one, but like, still, it doesn't doesn't lessen the impact of it. And you know, you you definitely like, and, and it, it, it does set it up. I mean, you know, Snake takes the oath. Like, if if Draco doesn't go through with it, you got to do it. And you know, he does it. 
and it's pretty pretty powerful moment. I mean, you can see just the way Dumbledore is acting and what he's been through. Like you can tell, like this is getting close, and then and then he's gone. So pretty pretty sad. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading it in, in in the in the book, and I was sort of. It's funny. Like I didn't get spoiled, obviously, because I just read the book. Um, but I do remember, like, as I was, it was on, like, you know how you're, when you're looking at a book, there's the left page and the right page. And I remember I was sort of reading the re- the left page, and my eye just kind of glanced to the right page, and I saw the words Avada Kedavra. Uh, or like I saw like Snape raised his wand and then the words of Vatican ever. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, no. And I kept, just sort of kept reading. I saw, oh, my God. And yeah, it was a real shocker. And, and it, it, it really is the, the twist of, of this generation, I think, uh, same way that, um, you know, Luke I, or no, I am your father is the twist of the, the generation of the people who grew up in the, the 70s and the 80s. Um, yeah, it's 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 devastating. Um, and when you know it's coming, you can certainly sort of read those scenes uh, differently. I, what's what are your thoughts on on Professor Snape now that we know or now that we've seen this scene? Yeah, it's. I mean, you always knew. Obviously, there was something shady about Snape. Like you know, like uh, he, he's kind of a jerk anyway. But like you know, you know something's going on there. And I mean, it's kind of surprising, like right out of the gate to you know, at the beginning of the movie to have, you know, it's, uh, you know, him say, yeah, I'm in, I'm in league with the dark Lord. I've been deceiving Dumbledore all this time. And it, it really is interesting how he really kind of has fooled Dumbledore. Like he, you know, Dumbledore trusts him. Dumbledore asks for him when they first come back. Like it really, they have a relationship there and to have, Snape be the one to ultimately do him in. It's just it's 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 crazy, and you know you 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 know Snape is up to something, but you don't necessarily think it's going to be that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and you know he, he, the um, you have that scene earlier where they're debating like, can we trust Snape? And Lupin and Tonks are sort of saying like, no, Dumbledore trusts him. We should trust him, and. Yeah, man. Um what a great what a great what a great twist. And um yeah, I can't I can't wait to talk about Deathly Hollows with you guys. Um Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I am too cuz I like the way it the way this movie leaves these characters is really fascinating. Yeah. And I think going forward and like I know like I've seen the trailers. I'm aware of Deathly Hollows, but like I'm very interested to see like where this goes, you know, what happens and you know just to see kind of it all unfold you know in the way and it's really kind of my biggest blind spot when it comes to these movies so i'm I'm looking forward to it oh so so snape is your kind of your blind spot eh? yeah i i like i okay. don't i don't think i yeah i don't i don't really i don't know anything about like what happens to him in deathly hollow so all right all right i i will say nothing i know nothing so i'm like john <laughs> snow i'm like john snow i know nothing Mm-hmm. Um, one, there's another sort of smaller reveal that also has to do with Snape and that is, that is that he is the half-blood prince. Yeah, were, were yeah. You, you that su- was, that kind of surprised me. Yeah. I mean, in, in, in one thing about like, you know, books to movies and that sort of thing is like in, in books you can sort of talk about people's lineage a lot more. And so the idea that Snape is half-blood is, is 
brought up in sort of the the text earlier in in the books um but even then i was sort of like oh wow that's oh it's him okay all right and uh (laughs) i mean you know it makes sense he became potion master and and it's a lot of fun watching harry excel at potions well everybody else including hermione um struggles uh, i love i love that you know hermione's the one that as we all expect her to be just perfect <laughs> about, you know, she's just this straight A student and she totally falls in her face yeah. with the potions. And it's so, I'd say satisfying, but it is kind of satisfying to see Harry succeed and her just be so frustrated. Well, yeah, whenever there's that person who succeeds at everything, it's nice to see them fail just a little <laughs> bit, even if we still love that person. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so that about does it, I think for, um, I nearly said Order of the Phoenix. Half-Blood <laughs> Prince. I'm, still, I'm glad I'm not the only one getting these things confused. I, I still, really I'm, am. I'm still on last week. Um, so that's it for, for Half-Blood Prince. I guess, I mean, I'll just be Zach here and take us to our, uh, I was going to say Planet Scores, but let's do final thoughts. Yeah. yeah <laughs> let's sure. do final thoughts, and uh, I'll throw it to you first, Beth. Oh, okay. So, okay. So I I enjoyed this one. I don't think it, it's not my favorite out of these movies. It's it's taken me it's taken me some thought to kind of like understand this movie and appreciate this movie for what it is. And maybe it needs a second watch or two to, you know, properly kind of ingrain in me. Um, you know, I am, you know, first time is always the weirdest, you know, when it comes to movies, you know, your kind yeah. of thing, especially in a franchise like this is already established and I'm totally new to it, but I also know kind of where it's going. I know some of the spoilers. So I have kind of a weird relationship with this and I know what I'm anticipating, but you know, I know where this story ultimately ends up. I mean, it shouldn't be a spoiler. Harry's going to win. He's going <laughs> to kill Voldemort. Probably, probably maybe. Um, but like the path to get there and you know it is in retrospect even after my thoughts of you know kind of like i'm gonna try i feel about this movie when i first watched it you know now seeing this movie for what it is like okay i get where they're going with this i understand the steps you have to take that this is truly the calm before the storm it's the you know it's the last kind of normal movie like the last one with the order of the phoenix and all this kind of stuff like that was the beginnings of like nothing's going to be the same again but still like you go in here and like they're going back to class everything's fine everything's back to normal but then you have this whole you know this truly with dumbledore gone and all this kind of stuff happening you begin to understand that this truly is like they can't you know, who's going to take over the school? Like, I'm just wondering about that. Like, you know, <laughs> what's, what's going to happen there? They blew out the windows in the dining room. Like, what's going to happen there? Like, you know, it leaves so many open questions that I'm really looking forward to watching Deathly Hollows in the future. And I will – I'll go ahead and give my plan score right now too. I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Seems fair. Seems reasonable. Yeah. I, for, for me, I – this uh like it's sort of laid out at the at the top this this one was the, as a movie was one i didn't fully appreciate until I, I watched it later after its sort of original release and original run and it's one that i've come to appreciate a lot more the the i loved the book as it as it was coming out and i still do um but it, 
it, as a movie, it was sort of it took me a while to appreciate it. I, I as as I've talked about, I have a, a deep, deep love of Jim Broadbent as Professor Slughorn, and I thought, you know, he, not only did he bring all that sort of drama to and and intensity and and tragedy to those scenes that we talked about, but he was also just funny, like how he keeps calling Ron by the wrong name. He calls him Wallenby and Wesselby. Like it's just so many, so many great. Um, he's, he's he manages to 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 balance the humor and the the drama and the tragedy of it all. And yeah, it's the calm before the storm. It's the reminder of what we're fighting for. And it's a, it's a, it's a, 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 a the ultimate, twi- a great twist and a tragic ending. And I cannot wait for uh, a few months from now when we, we pick this up with, with Deathly Hallows. And I, I really look forward to talking about that with you guys for my planet score. I'll give it a solid 8.0, uh, on nice. the uh, on the old planet square, actually, you know what? Give it an eight point five. Give it the same as uh, as last week as Order of the Phoenix. So uh, that's uh, that's it for planet scores. Uh, I think Ben, I think you have some Patreon shoutouts to do. Yeah, let's go ahead and give them a shout out. We haven't done a commercial break yet, as you as you mentioned, but uh, we will take a break for a second to give a little shout out to our valued patrons, the people that actually make this show possible and keep the lights on well i mean most of the lights sometimes we have to turn some lights off because you know it it runs up the tab but most of the lights are on because of these people we got joey mays we got katie horn we got jake damon rachel perry dan grievous himself daniel georgiev and our newest patron is our good friend parker ott who as we mentioned last week you can hear on the latest r.i.p.c and uh, if you want to sign up, go to Patreon. Pa- I want to say I'm so used to saying Patreon. I know. I said Patreon. Yeah. I, we all say Patreon. Everybody says Patreon because that's what normally we do. We do not – maybe one day we will do Patreon. Maybe. We'll have to talk about it. But for right now, through Podbean, which is a great service that we really, really like, they offer the patron system through there. And as you can see, a lot of guys – and girls already are taking advantage of that. Patron.com slash patron.com. Patron.podbean.com. Missing a little go. part of that there. <laughs> patron.podbean.com forward slash IPC podcast. Or you can just go to ipcpodcast.podbean.com and find the little button there to go sign up. And you get some cool extras. We do bonus shows. We're doing IP, RIPC right now. I'm sure we'll come cook up something else. And then, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. And you get, a, you know, we only a certain amount of our episodes right now are actually available to the public. The rest of them, and we've got over 200 of them, are locked up just for our patrons. So if you want to get take advantage of those, Jurassic Arc, everything you can think of, Back to the Doctor Who episodes that we were just referencing earlier. Like, it's all there. So be sure to check all that out. Please support us. We would appreciate it. And uh, we'll give you a shout-out every week here on the IBC Podcast. Nice. Definitely do it. Um, All right, Ben. I think it's time for – I've just taken on Zach's role. I think it's time for Quote of the Night. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're. You're. You're fitting into your role. If Zach just happens to just disappear, like we can just keep doing the show, no problem. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll be Zach. I, you know, I'll, I'll tell. I'll tell you all about my love of the. No, I can't say that. I was going to say my love <laughs> of the Texas Rangers, but I can't. I can't in good conscience. You can't utter the words. <laughs> I can't in good conscience say those words. I can't 
support the vile, disgusting Texas Rangers. Texas itself, lovely place, but the Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers. But the Texas Rangers, who lost two years in a row in the American League Division Series to the Toronto Blue Jays. Just got to remind you all of that. Uh, but it's time for Quote of the Night. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit a little bit uh, fun. I know you guys have done this once mm-hmm. or twice before, but we've not we've got not one but two quotes of the night. One, Why? Because we can. Because we can. One is from the Half Blood Prince itself, and the other is uh, well, it's in reference to to what we've been talking a lot about, which is the twist. So, shall we start with the actual Half Blood Prince uh, scene? Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. All right. So this is it's it's the scene we talked about. Uh, it's one of the key scenes in the entire series. It is the moment when Harry and Dumbledore actually see Slughorn's true memory of his encounter with Tom Riddle, where he uh, disclosed the existence and the secrets behind the creation of Horcruxes. Sir, is it true that Professor Mary thought is retiring? Couldn't tell you if I knew, could I? By the way, thank you for the pineapple. You're quite right. It is my favorite. But how did you know? Intuition. Oh, gracious. Is it that time already? Off you go, boys, or Professor Tippett will have us all in detention. Look sharp, Tom. Don't be caught out of bed after hours. Something on your mind, Tom? Yes, sir. See, I couldn't think of anyone else to go to. The other professors, well, they're not like you. They might misunderstand. Go on. I was in the library the other night, in the restricted section, and I read something rather odd about a bit of rare magic. It's called, as I understand it, Horcrux. I beg your pardon? Horcrux. I came across the term while reading. And I didn't fully understand it. I'm not sure what you were reading, Tom, but, but this is very dark stuff. Very dark indeed. Which is... why I came to you. A Horcrux is an object in which a person has concealed part of their soul. But I don't understand how that works, sir. One splits one's soul and hides part of it in an object. By doing so, you are protected should you be attacked and your body destroyed. Protected? That part of your soul that is hidden lives on. In other words, you cannot die. How does one split his soul? You already know the answer to that, Tom. Murder. Yes. Killing rips the soul apart. It is a violation against nature. Can you only split the soul once? For instance, it's seven. Seven? Merlin's beard, Tom. Isn't it bad enough to consider killing one person? To rip the soul into seven pieces? This is all hypothetical, isn't it, Tom? All academic. Of course, sir. It'll be our little secret. 
my god, what a great scene. Wow. What a great scene. Jim Brock. You've that. got the you've got the the evilness of Tom. Just that seething, you know, under the surface. You know, this this dude's gonna turn out bad. Like this this did this kid's already talking about like, you know, mass murder. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, this this kid's on on the bad path. But you have the kind of the the innocence and the, you know, kind of the horror that is projecting through him and you know, kind of him saying, Oh, well, dude, what you talk what are you talking about? Like this is crazy. And I don't know. I I, I do love I love that scene. It really yeah. is. It just it's it's great. Well it, you know, the, and, and it's a yeah, it's so much depth to him as a teacher and as this, you know, someone who is, you know, seemed pretty, you know, upbeat, but he's got this dark past. Well yeah, and, and he's like he's got this kind of um, like it's almost a uh, he's like justifying him explaining it to himself and, and Tom is really playing into that he's kind of hi- hyping that up for Slughorn it's like yeah no no it's academic we're just this is in theory I just I'm writing a paper on Horcruxes and I just wanted to get some more <laughs> insight like it, you know he doesn't actually you know it's oh no no I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't I couldn't possibly think of that but no no he does it. He did it, and uh, and I mean, you don't. We didn't have that part in the clip, but you know, Michael Gambon's reaction when they come out of the, of the, uh, of the, of the pensive as Dumbledore, just, man, so good, such a, a great scene. Now for our second quote of the night, I oh boy, I, this is one. I don't know. Have you guys ever had a quote of the night from this show? On a, I don't believe so. so. I do not believe so. So, uh, you know, it, it's hard to talk about order. Uh, see, I just did it. Of Half Blood Prince, without talking about Snape killing Dumbledore, and it would be wrong to not feature that in the quote of the night. So we have a clip from, believe it or not, The Simpsons. <laughs> in which Bart Simpson has been kidnapped by his nemesis, Sideshow Bob, and Sideshow Bob is going to lay out for Bart how he's going to kill him. And uh, in, that, in that scene, he will, he will reference. Well, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. Take a listen. You know, the great ones can kill without explaining. I can stand in one state, fire a gun in a second state. The bullet will travel through the third, hitting you in the fourth, so you'll fall dead in the fifth. No single act is against any law. But their sum total is the greatest murder since Snape killed Dumbledore. Oh, I haven't gotten to that part yet. It's a four-year-old book. I'm a slow reader. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Bart Simpson being the voice of 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 all the people on the internet that got spoiled for something that they were several years behind on. But yeah, the greatest murder since Snape killed Dumbledore. Oh, that is perfect. <laughs> oh man, good good stuff. All right, Ben, I'm gonna I'm gonna release the uh, the reins of your show back to you, so you can uh, close things out for this week. All right, all right. I suppose it's getting that time of night. We need to wrap things up, but before we do that, of course, there is but one segment, perhaps the best segment, the most favorite segment, the most famous segment. Um, Maybe I'm overplaying it a bit, but it is important that we do this before we close out for the night. It is time. Get out your hashtags. Put them in the chat. Put them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. 
the two people that actually still use Google Plus. <laughs> you use it anyway. Do it. And you'll probably be the only people doing that, you know, over there because it is time. One more time for hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. Barbecue. All righty, we are back once again, and I have no idea where to go with this. All right, there's nothing in the notes. Zach is not here to back me up on this. Normally speaking, we collaborate. We pull something together. We didn't do it tonight. So I'm going to throw it to you, Dominic. All right. <laughs> um, I'm not meaning to put you on the spot here, but you know, you, you, you obviously know a lot more about Harry Potter than, than, than the both of us combined. Sure. So like, is there any instance, is there any connection you can make between barbecue and Harry Potter? Is there any instances of barbecue in Harry Potter? Um, that you can think of? No. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I can't. I cannot think of anything. I'm trying. Like, there's no reference. Like, I don't, they don't talk a ton about food, other than the stuff You're in the right. Great Hall, and we kind of talked about that a little bit last time. Um, no, I, I can't really think of any sort of classic sort of Harry Potter barbecue stuff I, you know i'm even trying to think if there's anything at the at the parks at the universal studios um so i i uh i i i i don't know i i just tried um i just tried uh googling harry harry potter bbq and i'm not getting anything in the news section <laughs> um let's i know when we previously i believe in a previous one we talked about the jelly beans yeah well there's a lot of pinterest stuff for harry potter barbecues oh i just found i just found 17 harry potter kitchen gadgets for muggles who want to be cooking wizards all right maybe this will give us oh no this is good all right here's an there's an gold the second thing on the list is an apron (laughs) that says that says snitch please on it (laughs) it's got a little drawing of the golden snitch all right that's all right that's pretty good i like it i like it all uh, where we've got i like where we're going um let's see there's a um there's uh hedwig uh hedwig salt and pepper shakers that's uh that's pretty cool um an accio butterbeer uh bottle opener that's uh could use one of those maybe we should get one of those for uh uh for zach as well um there's the Hogwarts Express toast rack. That's uh, that's kind of interesting. Harry Potter oven mitt. That's just kind of an oven mitt with some Harry Potter art on it. Um, a sorting hat tea cozy. That's not really related to barbecue, but um, I love it. Seems like a good way to keep your tea nice and warm. And um, yeah, I, I, I skipped a couple of things on the list, but there's um, I think I think the snitch please apron is the uh, ultimate sort of is the best one for barbecuing. Barbecuing. Yeah, if you can drop that in the uh, our little group chat, and I might try to like tweet that out to our followers, so we can uh, get that 
thing. Because that sounds like a really interesting article. It's on a website called foodandwine.com. Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> good enough. <laughs> good enough. Good enough. We, you saved me. You saved my butt. All right. Thank you very much for that save. And, uh, you know, but we talked about everything. Like, I, you know, there's so much. There really is, like, just on the subject of, like, merchandise. So much stuff. Like, I think Harry Potter almost rivals Star Wars in the amount of, like, merchandise you see out, like, on a regular basis. Right. Like, I'm not talking about, like, you know, I'm sure certain franchises have a lot of merchandise, but in a franchise that's basically done and over with for many, many years, like, continually see stuff. I saw like, an advertisement today about a, a color-changing, uh, what was it, a, 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 I'm looking for the, for the word, a umbrella. I don't know why I couldn't think of umbrella, but okay. I did. I couldn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, color changing umbrella. It's got all the the class or the 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 uh, the, the the crest from Hogwarts on it, and they're black and white. And if you get them wet, they change into the actual colors, which yeah. is really really cool. Yeah. So a lot of cool stuff like that, and of course you have the magical element. They try to emulate that. So really really good stuff. Really exciting stuff. Well, Dominic. Thanks so much for coming on once again. Oh, it was my pleasure. It was uh, loads and loads of fun uh, talking about, uh, or uh, that I nearly did it again, Half Blood Prince <laughs> uh, with you. It, it, I wish Zach could have joined us, but such is life, the such is the way of things. But it was certainly a, a really fun discussion about uh, about Half Blood Prince and uh, and all the all the new stuff we talked about. And uh, I always love coming on the show with you guys. And I. Um, I look forward to doing our, our Deathly Hallows discussions, even though that means we're coming to the end of the Harry Potter series. I'm still trying to convince these guys to read the uh, the script of uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child so we can at least do something like that, even if I can't get them to, for whatever reason, get on a plane, fly to New York, buy Broadway <laughs> tickets that cost several hundred dollars, and then um, go, and, go and see that. Actually, at uh, New York Comic Con this year, there's going to be a... Um, uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child panel, which I'm very much looking forward to going to really? because the uh, the current Broadway cast is most of the cast from the London from the its original or the original cast from the London West End production. Obviously, it's still going on in London, but they mm-hmm. uh, replace the cast as they do on plays. But that cast who did it in London have moved to Broadway essentially, and so that was the cast that I saw when I saw it. Uh, back in in July of 2016, I actually, I you know, I saw it in previews, so I saw it before everybody else. You know, just saying. Uh, but no, I, I, that was that was a, a very fun experience, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing those guys at uh, at NYCC next month or next month, and and hopefully maybe they'll share some some fun insight. And I don't know, maybe I I, I don't know, I maybe. I don't know, Ben. Would you read the 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 play? Would you read the script of uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child? Is that something you'd be interested in? Perhaps. 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 Per, per, per Does it come in audiobook form? <laughs> I don't know. I, if that were the case, I would definitely go for if it. They, if that were the case, I I would be disappointed that I don't already have that. <laughs> yeah, seriously, um, that would be awesome. How long till they make that into a movie? Come on. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's it's set about 19 years after Deathly Hallows, so if they oh, want to okay. use Dan, Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Emma Watson, and, and Rupert Grint and, and Bonnie Wright, and um, then they would see, have they're to pu- wait 19 see they're pulling years. they're pulling a Star Wars now. They're gonna do. They're gonna wait. They're doing their prequel trilogy, and eventually they're gonna come back with, the, and they're gonna turn Cursed Child into a trilogy. 
They probably, I mean, it's already, it's already a two, it's, it's already two plays essentially. Like you have to go two nights in a row or you have to go to a matinee and an evening performance of part one and part two. Like it's a long, it's a long ass play. Um, so it's all, it's almost a trilogy. Like it it wouldn't be that hard to, you know, add it, to turn it into a third, a third part. So to add a third part to it. So. Yeah, well, we'll have to see in ten years or whenever that happens. Yeah, yeah, we're about you know we're about ten years post uh, Deathly Hallows book, about seven years post movie, so twelve twelve years twelve years until uh, Cursed Child can uh, can come out in theaters. Seems reasonable to me. Okay, really quick, is there anything besides we we all know everyone's familiar with the Star Wars Underworld? Um, but is there anything else you would like to promote before we sign off for the evening? Uh no. Just uh just my uh personal Twitter and Instagram is uh at Dominic J twenty five. You can see lots of pictures from Fan Expo over there. Uh, and uh, hopefully I'll have some more fun pictures from the next uh, from this weekend at Star Wars Night at the Jays game and some other stuff from the Toronto International Film Festival and other fun things that uh, I have going on in the next uh, next couple of weeks leading up to New York Comic Con next month. So my Instagram feed will might might be kind of inter- interesting for a change. So <laughs> <laughs> at Dominic J twenty five on the tweets and the Instagram. Nice. Nice. So again, thank you so much for coming by, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be catching up with uh, Deathly Hollows pretty soon because we're kind of trying so. to time it with the uh, time our Fantastic Beast discussion with when that movie actually comes out, which is towards the end of the year. So uh, hopefully that'll that'll work out just fine. Um, and, uh, the plugs and stuff. I don't normally do this kind of stuff. This is Zach's point of view. I don't. I don't know how to do this. Um. Okay. We'll run through this really quick. We've got on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to follow us at the IPC IPC podcast. Just IPC uh, podcast. Um. Post it up on it. Let you know when uh, when the newest episode's up and when we're live. When we actually record this live, and we do record this live on channel eleven thirty eight. Normally speaking, on Friday nights at at ten p.m. Eastern. On channel 1138, you can follow Zach, even though he's not here. I'm like I said, I'm gonna get get my best to wrangle him on this episode at some point. But uh, at Zach underscore DFW, you can follow. Uh, that course, I should say Twitter and Instagram for him. For myself on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and even Facebook um, at Ben Hart with no ye myth no ye yeah. Bith with no e. Bith, because... no, Bith no e is uh, <laughs> that's when you're joining Figure and Dan in the modal notes. Yep, yep, totally. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Google Play, and of course, ipcpodcast.podbean.com is our host site. Um, all our episodes do go over to the Star Wars Underworld website. That's StarWarsUnderworld.com, where, you, of course, you can find all the latest breaking Star Wars news and so much more. Mostly just the Star Wars news, though. We don't... I mean, IPC is kind of the one thing we kind of branch out with. But, uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think that's all the plugs. I think we are about done. So, for the 205th time, yeah, 205. This is episode number... 205 we are done we're out of here but before we leave you tonight we just want to leave you with this thought the challenge of hope is to overcome corruption we hope you're challenged to return again next week to listen to more IPC 
Until then, good night, everyone.